Hey, thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from Dylan Krause. So we're just wrapping up the theme tonight on In Your Face. And if you haven't been here for all of it or just parts of it or whatever, it's just been about um, getting in God's face, seeing him for who he really is so that we can understand who he's made us to be. Okay, does that make sense? That he's our father. We get our identities from our fathers and mothers, even in the natural. But beyond that, like even if you don't have that great mother-father relationship in your life on earth, the, the good, the, like the great good news of the gospel is that you've been called a child of God. What the heck? <laughs> like we've all been adopted by a perfect father. Every single one of us, every single last one of us has been adopted by God and has been called children of God. And in, in seeing him for who he is, we actually get to live this like John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I've come so that you would have life and life abundantly. And that's not something that you get from your mom or your dad. And it doesn't come because your parents pay for your college tuition and, and you you get like a sports car out of college and then you get married and blah, 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 blah. And then you play golf three times a week at your country club. Like that's not abundant life. Abundant life is having peace, happiness, a whole heart full of life. You actually have the counsel of the Lord. You know where to go. You're following him and he's leading you into goodness every day of your life. Huh? <sighs> so awesome. Okay. And, um, so Talking about that whole theme and we're t- in just like cultivating this understanding of the importance of being in God's face, okay? And that one verse that we shared like throughout this whole theme was um, out of 1 John, and it was that as we behold him, we become like him, okay? And there's this other one in 2 Corinthians that says that the spirit of the Lord comes to give you freedom and that it's actually where in, in that place where the Holy Spirit is in the room, kind of like last week and all the time this week. He's with you everywhere you go. He's transforming you from glory to glory to be more like him, okay? And that doesn't mean that you start to look like God or, you know, you have to act like, well, act like, yeah, but it's not that he's changing you into somebody you're not. He's pulling you into who he's created you to be, okay? You're not losing your identity. You're, you're stepping into the identity that he gave you, okay, when you actually received him as your father. Um, and so, like, with all of that in mind, I think it's really important that we know a, a couple things about um, what, how we're seen by God when we're in his presence, okay? And also, like, what's expected of you when you're in God's presence, right? Because, like, we have this, like, I grew up in the Catholic Church, and so, like, I had this concept that, like, okay, I'm going into God's presence, and, like, I remember getting beaten for twirling my hair before First Holy Communion. My mom was like, psh, psh, like, what are you doing? And like, you know, you get like all these old school movies and the nuns just walk around with like yardsticks, just like, Whap! you know, and they're just whipping kids. And, you know, like there's, so there's like this expectation you're in the presence of God and blah, 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 blah. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay. But how there is an expectation. So that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. Um, First, though, I want to talk about how are you seen when you're in the presence of God? How does he see you? Okay? And this is really, really, really good. And um, 
actually had, yeah. I am known, okay? When you're in God's presence, it's you're in the presence of somebody who knows you fully, right? Um, back in Old Testament times, you know, like there was this whole deal where David was a part of his family and like all his brothers are like studs, you know, they're like, and Samuel is this prophet and God told Samuel to go anoint him, anoint a new king for Israel. And so he rolls into David's house and his dad is there and he's like, go bring me all your sons. One of them is supposed to be king. And you know the story, he brings all like seven, I think, right? Seven sons. And it's all like, you know, Kevin Oakley on steroids. Like they're all like, you want this one? Oh, let me go get my other son who's six foot seven. Oh, no, you just, you might mean the middle son. He's six foot ten. We'll go get him. And they're all just like these giant, like really handsome, strong, beautiful, handsome, powerful, left turn kind of guys. NASCAR joke. Sorry. Anyway. And Samuel's like talking back and forth with God and he's going like, God, you know what you're doing, man. These guys are seriously studly. These are some really good looking fellers, you know? And God's like, you're missing the point. I don't look at that at all. And he says that I actually look at the heart, okay? So that's like number one, that God is actually looking at your heart. So we come in before his presence and it's not a show, okay? Does that help you? Like, we're not here to perform, and like if somebody, like if Emma's up here dancing and going crazy, it's not because she's putting on a show, it's because her heart is exploding, you know? And you see people like Stephanie Gretzinger on stage over the weekend, she's like, like that, like she can't contain it, it's like an explosion, roller coaster of emotion and love and passion that's just exploding, and I, I mean like, I don't even think we got to see, I think we got to see about 10% of her like gifting on over the weekend. Um, like, I don't know if you guys know who I'm talking about anyway, but that's what it looks like. That's what God is looking for is your heart. Okay. So he knows your heart. You don't have to come in here and be like, okay, now I'm at church and I've got to perform and like do the raising hands thing and everything. I say, do that. Like do that when you're led to do that from people up front, worship leaders and people that are speaking on the mic to tell you to like enter into worship, all that stuff. And it's a great way to do it. Um, to get your your mind to attach to what's happening and like exalt God. But like the beauty of it is like when God looks at your heart and your heart is just totally open to him. And that's such an awesome thing is like, you're like, wow, God, everybody else is missing this, but I'm giving you pure worship right now out of my heart. And he's the only one that can see it. So awesome. Um, that, and then like Psalm 139, like even to go deeper, like this is, this is just like that whole chapter, okay? If you ever want to like question me on this, just read Psalm 139 and you'll be like, oh my gosh, he really knows me. Search, he says, search me and know, he says, you've searched me and known me. You know my rising up and my sitting down. That you know even my thoughts afar off. That just messes with me. Like, not, not only does he know, like, then it goes on and says, like, all my days are written in your book. Even before I had my first one, they were, you, you knew them and all this stuff. Not only that, not only does he know the days, he knows what you're going to think tomorrow at breakfast. He knows what you're going to think when you have your first baby. 
He knows what you're going to think when you're standing on the altar about to say your vows for your spouse. He knows what you're going to think when you become a grandparent for the first time. That's insane. That is crazy. That's how much he knows you. No one knows you like him. But so like I'm saying all this in 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 the light of like being in God's presence, not to like freak you out or go like, oh my gosh, I'm really even more scared of God now because he knows everything about me and I got to be in his presence. And it's that whole yardstick like ideology of like, I got to hide myself. I've got to shield myself. He's not going to be happy with me. But how many of you know, like for, for those of you who have like this safe place of home, that's what this is like. Like the people, like your family, like I go home and they know how much of a screw up I am. Like they know all of my faults. They know all the things that I'm not good at. And it's where I feel the most safe. It's where I can be myself the most. It's where all of myself is like out on the table because I'm totally free in that place of love. You know, I'm totally free in that place of being known. So it's the same kind of thing. It's home. Being in his presence is being home. This is what we were created for. It's not this like awkward, like, oh no, he's going he's gonna to see me. He's going to see me for who I really am. Hello, he already knows you for who you really are. That's the beauty of it. He's still extending his love towards you. In knowing you deeply, better than anyone else ever has known you, he's loving you in the midst of it, okay? Oh, awesome. So we're known. Um, second thing is that he's actually proud of you, that you're actually his prize, okay? Um, Bible talks about the kingdom of heaven being a treasure that's hidden in a field or a pearl of great price, right? Have you ever heard this? It talks about like how, you know, there was a man and he went out to a field and he was like, say he was planting tomatoes, you know? And he's playing his maters and he's digging his rows and all this stuff and maybe like getting his aqueduct system set up and all kinds of sluice gate, whatever, glory. And he's getting it all set up and all of a sudden he hits a box. It's like, what the heck is this? He starts digging, you know, like adventure and excitement, adrenaline starts rushing through his, his veins. And he gets this thing out of, out of the ground and he pops open the, the lock with his shovel and opens up the lid and there's just like, whatever, like $30 million of gold inside. And he's just like, oh my gosh. And so what does he do before anybody can see him? I love that this is in the Bible. Like this is the shrewdness of like Jews or something. I don't know. This is like so awesome. He buries it in the ground, goes back home, doesn't tell anybody. That would just be wrong. Like don't do that. And he he buries it back into the ground and Finishes playing his maters, probably, and goes home, sells his house, sells his goat, sells his donkey, sells, I don't know, like, whatever else he's got, and goes back and buys the field, and all of a sudden, the dude has got $30 million in gold because he, like, sold everything he had to get the great treasure that he found, you know? And this is often, like, referred to as our relationship with Jesus, rightfully so. Okay, that we actually encounter God for the first time. Like some of you have had these dramatic salvation experiences where you're like, I met Jesus, my whole life changed from, the, from that point, from that day on, and I gave everything up to follow him. 
That's, that is what it's about. But at the same time, I just say that it's because he loved me that I'm able to love him, right? You know that, you know what I'm talking about? And that if this is the um, relationship of me with God, then he probably did it first, right? And that you are actually his treasure. You're actually the box of, of gold that he gave everything for. You're the pearl of great price that he sent his son to die for. You're the one that he bankrupted his kingdom for so he could come and save us. You're the one that he looked at and said, no, I have to have Angela. There's nothing that will do besides her. I have to have her. I have to have Kyle. I won't be satisfied unless I have him. I have to have Kevin. I have to have Nathaniel. I won't be satisfied. Do anything. Do whatever it takes. He's talking to angels. Do whatever it takes. Just make it happen. I have to have my kids back. Every single one. And he thought about you by name. Do you think that's too big for God? Are you kidding me? First time your kid goes, dad, dad, mama. He's going to be like, yeah, I knew that was coming. This is the God who, who we're talking about here. He is so finely tuned, like involved with each of our lives. It's incredible. And you tell me, you, you can't get like, and I don't know that we're able to really understand it, but enter into the faith of this, like of this statement that it's true, that he actually decided to die for you. It wasn't just the 12 disciples. It wasn't just the 70 that he sent out. It wasn't just the people who spat on him and told him to prophesy. It wasn't just the people that he saw with his own eyes. It was you and it was me. It was personal for the ages to come. Mm. So good. And when... When you know that you're somebody's prize, right? Like, when you know that, like, somebody's really proud of you, you you just kind of become super bold and courageous. Like, what? Like, I'm God's favorite. Whatever, you know? And the best way that I can describe this is, like the the rhetoric of a child in arguments what do they say my daddy said i could have it how many of you have ever babysat a child before you get a lollipop out but my daddy said i could have that you get some ice cream out of the fridge it's nine o'clock they're supposed to go to bed but my daddy said i could have that ice cream This is their argument. This is the only thing that they know. But my daddy said I could have that there, that there lollipop, man. I want that gobstopper. Give me that Tic Tac. Come on. Come on. One of of the cutest kids that I know is our friend Chandi Thomas' daughter, Kashi, Kashmir. And um, she's beautiful and wonderful. And we stayed with them in Cyprus for a while. And every single time, <laughs> she was three at the time, and she couldn't say C's, right? So they were all T's. And every single time we got our laptop out, she was like, she calls her dad Abba. 
My Abba said I could touch your computer. My Abba said I could play with your computer. But but Abba said I, I could play with it. Abba said I could touch the computer. And this is, it's, it's just wonderful. Like, it's a total lie, right? Okay? It's not even true. But the reality is that she knows in her heart that anything that she desires, her dad wants her to have. Everything that she thinks is good for her, she knows that her dad wants her to have it, right? When you become bold in the love, in the understanding of the love that God has towards you, that you're his prize, that you're the one that he gave everything up for, you start realizing that everything you have need of will be given to you in the measure of more than you could ask, think, or imagine. Oh, how much of that do you want? More than I could ask, think, or imagine, more than I could ever handle, more than enough. That's how God dishes things out. How crazy is that? This is who we are in his presence. We get this revelation of the understanding of what he's done for us, and we'll all of a sudden understand the access we have to the limitless kingdom, the limitless riches that are found in Christ Jesus. This is amazing. So every single circumstance that you get yourself into life, and you're going like, well, I need peace. Okay, peace. Well, I need to be free. Chains are broken off of you. Well, I need to have grace. Okay. Like angel goes over to the other fire hydrant of grace, opens that sucker up and you go flying across the room because you just got wailed by some grace. This is more than we can handle. Last week was just like a little picture, you know, like when you get totally overwhelmed in worship and you don't even understand what's going on. You're just partnering with heaven. It's like a picture of the more than enough God that we're attached to, that I actually belong to. He is mine and I am his. Oh, man. This is in your face. This is what happens when you get transformed into his likeness. This is from glory to glory. We actually enter into the fullness that's available to us, okay? So you're never lacking. You're never in need. You always have wisdom. It says, ask and I'll give you wisdom, right? You'll always have the boldness. You'll always have the courage. You're always receiving love. Like he's always pouring it out. So can we just be like these giant satellite, like paint a mural on me, like receivers of God's goodness and love? (sighs) Yeah. That like we have what it takes no matter what because we're attached to him. We have what it takes no matter what because I'm his prize. We have, I have what it takes no matter what because I'm his treasure. Okay. So the last thing, I'm alive in Christ. Um, this is the expectation part, the yardstick part, right? <laughs> What's the expectation? Do I got to wear a three-piece suit? Do I have to comb my hair just right? Do I have to make sure that I don't twirl my sideburns so I don't get smacked by my mama? We've got to get so far outside of this concept of thinking that I have to be, like, act a certain way in order to receive his love. We've got to get so far out of that. Listen, this is the expectation. John 6, 29. Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one who he sent. This is the expectation. 
okay? But it is a real thing. Okay, you come into God's presence and you, you come home. You get this peace, this overwhelming feeling of belonging comes into your heart. You know that you're not misunderstood. You know that he sees you for who you are. He sees the, the purest desires of your heart. Things that nobody else understands. Things that nobody, you never even told anybody else, right? And then he actually brings you into relationship with him where, through his son's blood that actually causes you, creates like a relationship where you're his prize. And he walks around going like, yeah, this is my son. This is my daughter. This is the one in whom I'm well pleased. And you go, my daddy said I could touch your computer. And you just get whatever you want. I mean, you know, like, I'm not just preaching like, well, I'm going to steal your car because I want it. You know, like, that's not how this works, okay? You guys know that. Yeah. But if we want real transformation, right? If you really want to be molded into his image, if you really want to become like him, if you really want to be changed, transformed, then this expectation has to be real to you, okay? You have to go through the full cycle of being known, receiving the truth about being his prize, him being proud of you, a proud papa over you as his child, and into the expectation, full circle is, I believe you. Guys, this is the gospel. This is why it's good news. This is why people have been saying yes to Jesus for thousands of years. Because our part is really doable. It's I believe you. You love me, I believe you. You set me free, I believe you. You're strong and mighty on my behalf, I believe you. Your righteous right hand of love is reaching out to me and can get me wherever I go. There's nothing too broad, too wide, too deep that can separate me from your love, I believe you. You haven't given me a spirit again to fear, but a, a, a spirit of like peace and a sound mind, I believe you. Come on. You give me spoonfuls of more than I could ask, think, or imagine? Yeah, I believe you. This podcast was recorded live at a Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.